In late September, we're launching a seven-week sermon series and a seven-week small group study called Transformed. And we're going to be looking at your spiritual, emotional, mental, relational, physical, financial, and vocational health. And we're going to look deeply into God's Word, and we're going to discover how God wants to transform your life in each one of those areas. And as part of the campaign, we're going to set some goals for life change for all of us. And then we're going to move through Thanksgiving and Christmas, and then in January of 2015, we're going to begin a process of helping you to realize those goals and to change your life. It's in all these areas so you can become the person that God wants you to become. So you can live life in a way that you want him to, to, to live. And this, this is a big deal. This is a, it's setting the direction for our church for months, maybe years. And it's going to impact uh, you as an individual, you as a family, hopefully our community for the cause of Christ. And so as a staff, we've been gearing up for this for months, and now we're asking you to start gearing up with us because it's going to be here very soon. And what we're doing at this point is we're asking you to step up and host or facilitate a small group. And so we're starting out trying to find the small group leaders. And then we're, later we're going to ask you to sign up for a small group. And then we're going to ask you to step out and invite your friends, your family, your neighbors, your co-workers. We want you to invite them to come to our weekend services and then to be a part of our small groups. Now the transformed material is excellent life-changing material. It strikes at the heart of our greatest needs and it'll make a difference. It'll make a difference in your life, in the lives of our families, our church, and our community. And I am so excited that we get to do this together. Nobody's in this alone. We get to do this together as a community, as the body of Christ, the church. So what we want to do over the next few weeks uh, with our sermons is we're, we're calling it stacking the dominoes. We're stacking the dominoes, getting them lined up so that when we launch this campaign, we've got some momentum. And what we're doing for the next two weeks is we're uh, helping you and encouraging you to bathe this whole process in prayer. Uh, for the next two weeks, I'm going to talk about prayer so that we can all pray effectively for this campaign. So I'm calling this week's sermon Prayer Part 1. And next week's sermon is Prayer Part 2. Snappy titles, eh? Yeah. And actually, that's by design. I'm not trying to be cute. I'm not trying to be clever. I'm trying to be clear. I'm trying to put the cookies on the bottom shelf here. I mean, how many of you would say that your prayer life could use a boost? Anybody's prayer life? Look at the hands. They just pop right up. Yes. It's been that way in every service. I get it. Me too. I get it. So let's begin with this, with four reasons why people don't pray more. On your notes, number one, a lot of people are not really sure how to pray. Am I praying the right way? Am I praying too long? Am I praying too loud? Is it legal to pray for this? Uh, you know, a lot of people don't know how to pray. And so in this series, we're going to show you how to pray. Number two, a lot of us get bored or distracted while we're trying to pray. Uh, you know, I'll start praying. I'm 30 seconds into my prayer time. I've got a real prayer momentum going. And the next thing you know, I'm like, I need to change the oil in the car. <laughs> we need eggs. I have to buy shoestrings. I mean, boom, I am off in, in another direction. That ever happened to you? You know, we get distracted, we get bored when we're praying. And so today, I want to show you how to beat boredom in prayer. I want to show you how to use those distractions to your benefit. 
Number three, we don't pray because we think our requests are too small for God. God's all-powerful. God's all-knowing. He's ever-present. Why would he be concerned about my little concerns? And so we don't take the little things to God in prayer. We think, I'll handle the little things, and then I'll take the big things to God in prayer. But let me tell you something. For God, it's all little. It's all little things. And he wants us to pray about all of it. And so we're going to show you today how to pray about everything. Because that's what God wants. Number four, some of us are not sure our prayers will really make a difference. If God already knows everything, if God is sovereign and controls everything, if God can do whatever God wants to do and it's going to happen, then why do I need to pray? I mean, I'm not sure my prayers are going to make any difference. And so the result of this is a lot of us go through life truly believing in God, truly believing in prayer, truly believing that God answers prayer, but we have half-hearted, almost non-existent prayer lives. Why is that? What do we do about it? Well, we're going to start by looking at a working definition of prayer. I mean, what is prayer? Simply as I can here, on your notes. Prayer is communicating with God. Prayer is communicating with God. Now, I love David in Psalm 5. He says, give ear to my words, O Lord. He says, God, I am asking you to listen to me. Listen to my words. And then he says, consider my, consider my what? My Sighing, yeah. David is asking God to consider his sighing. Even David's sighing is communicating with God. Now, I'm a sire. I'm a sire. I can sigh a sigh of frustration, a sigh of relief, a sigh of contentment, a sigh of completion. I mean, I'm a sire. Actually, I'm a groaner. And uh, my family teases me about my groaning. God listens to my groaning. But uh, my family laughs at it. When, when Ryland was a, a little kid, I used to bend over and pick him up. And every time I'm an old guy, and every time I bent over to pick him up, I would groan. And then he would groan. <laughs> and Andrew, who was about 10 or 11 at the time, he says, you know, every time you pick him up, you groan, and then he groans back. And to this day, when Ryland and I hug each other, you'll hear us, <clears throat> we groan when, when we hug each other. Because I'm a groaner. I, I'm a sire. And some of you are sires. Some of you are married to sires. Uh, some of you didn't become sires until after you got married. But in a very real sense, we can communicate with God with a sigh. A sigh of frustration, a sigh of contentment, a sigh of relief, a sigh of fear. David says, God, you know me so well, I can sigh toward you and you get it. You know what I mean. Verse 2, David says, listen to my cry for help, my king and my God, for to you I pray. For David, this isn't some far off uh, God that he's heard about. He says, this is my king, my God, to you I pray. David has a relationship with him. Verse 3, in the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you. And what do I do? I wait in expectation. I lay out my request and then I wait in expectation. I wait for God to do something. I, I sigh, I pray, I, you hear my voice, and then God, I wait for you to do something. God, you may do what I ask, you may do something different, I know you'll do something better, but God, I know you're going to respond to my prayers. I mean, man, what a way to pray. David has created a personal expression of prayer to his heavenly Father. I mean, he is connected with God to the point where he can sigh and God knows what he means. 
That's how David prayed. Is that how you pray? I got to be honest with you, that's that's not really how I pray. Because the truth is, we each connect with God in different ways. Because we all communicate in different ways. You know, we're different personalities. And we have to recognize that there's no formula for prayer. Prayer is not just kneeling down by the bed with your hands clasped and your eyes closed. You know, some of you, you might like to sing your prayers to God. You know, maybe you're a great singer. Maybe you can't sing a lick. But you just like to pour your heart out in God through, through praise and song. Now, some of you like to write out your prayers in a journal. You're writers. And so you like to sit down and you like to write and write and write. Personally, I don't like to write. I prefer to type. So I, I wish I could send God emails, because I love email, man. Just type, 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 type. You know, it'd be great. As some of you have learned to pray during routine tasks of the day. Washing the dishes, mowing the lawn. I mean, that's your chance to talk to God. Some of you, when you're hurting, you go to God. You, you just unleash your emotion. You just cry with Him. Uh, others of you, you might see something funny. You might see the humor in a situation. You might even tell God a joke. You know, he's heard it before, but you, know, you, you like to laugh with him. And you communicate with God in laughter. You're just so in touch with God that you can do life together with him in prayer. Because prayer is simply communicating with God. So on your notes, how do we talk to God? Four things, number one, five things. Number one, with gut-level honesty. I mean, there are times in Scripture when people are so honest with God. Abraham, David, Job, the prophets, I mean, they just give God what for. I mean, sometimes it's even scary. I mean, I'm thinking, can you really say that to God? Moses, in Exodus 5.22, says Moses cries out, he says, Oh, Lord, why have you brought trouble upon this people? Is that why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble upon this people. And you have not rescued your people at all. I mean, he's just pouring it out. You can honestly pray before God. Now, you always want to be reverent. You always want to be worshipful and submissive to him. But there are times when you can just say, God, I don't get it. I mean, I thought I was trying to do what you wanted me to do, and it's just not working. I mean, God, tell me, is it me? Is it you? What's going on here? There may be times when you look at a safe situation and you think, I don't even know how to pray about this. There may be times when all you can do is just, oh. You just need to be honest. Only two things, two things that Jesus criticized about people's prayers. When their prayers were too long and showy and when their prayers were fake. Matthew 6, Jesus says, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. They're more concerned that people would see their prayers than they were that God would hear them. Jesus says, don't be like that. He says, when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans. For they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Your prayer doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be flowery, showy. Just talk to God with gut-level honesty. And for many of you, if if you did that, it would make a tremendous difference in your prayer life. Number two, how do we talk to God? You talk to God about everything that matters to you. The scripture's clear. Do not be anxious about anything, but in what? Everything. The big things, small things, medium things. In everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. 
You know, listen to the things that people in the Bible prayed about, things that were unique, that were important to them. Zacharias wanted a son, and so he prayed, God, please give us a son. Solomon asked God for wisdom. He said, God, give me wisdom to lead this nation. Samson asked God for water in a time of drought. Uh, Daniel had a weird dream he didn't understand. He said, God, help me understand this weird dream. Gideon felt the call of God on his life, but he wasn't sure, and so he prayed. He says, God, i got to be sure. I need you to give me a sign. Abraham's servant prayed for God to help him find a wife for Isaac. He said, grant me success as I go wife hunting. David prayed for forgiveness after sinning with Bathsheba. God, create in me a clean heart. Restore the joy of my salvation. Elijah prayed it wouldn't rain. And for three and a half years it didn't rain. And then he prayed for rain and it rained like crazy. You know, in Scripture you see all these different things that matter to God's people. They take it to God in prayer and now it matters to God. Because it matters to them. So what matters to you? You're in a season of spiritual dryness. Talk to God about it. Are you suffering a physical illness? Talk to God about it. Are you confused about what to do or where to go? Talk to God about it. Are you afraid or depressed? Talk to God about it. Are your relationships driving you crazy? Talk to God about it. Are you struggling financially? Talk to God about it. Are things rough at work or you have no work? Talk to God about it. Cast all your cares on Him. Why? Because He cares for you. So you talk to God openly and honestly about everything that matters to you. And then number three, and this is the one that often gets overlooked. We need to talk to God about what matters to Him. Yes, you need to tell God what's important to you, but you also need to let God tell you what's important to Him. How do you find out what's important to God? Well, you read His Word. Jesus made the connection between prayer and the Word in John 15, 7. He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And so I'd encourage you to just pray your way through Scripture. To just pray your way. Every morning, read a chapter from God's Word and ask Him to show you, God, what is important to you? And then pick out a verse and, and just pray about it. Take a verse and claim it. Stick your name in it. Stick your kids' names in it. Stick the people in your small group's names in it. Make it the theme verse for the day. Bring the power of the Word of God and the power of prayer together and focus it on the people in your life. Your family, your small group, at work, school. What if you took the burdens of your heart and you gave them to God? And what if you took the burdens of God's heart and made them yours? What would your prayer life look like if you did that? What would your life look like if you did that? God, here's all the things I'm struggling with. Now you tell me what's important to you and I'll get after it. It'd change your life. For one thing, Jesus says a whole lot more of your prayers would be answered. Because when you are praying what God wants you to pray about, those prayers get answered. When you let your heart be broken by the things that break the heart of God, you'll start praying effective prayers. What breaks the heart of God? What is important to God? Well, look at Matthew 9, 36. It says, When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless. Some, some versions say they were harassed like sheep without a shepherd. 
Jesus looks out and he sees these people that are just broken, harassed, helpless, confused. He has compassion on them. It breaks his heart. What does he do? He turns to the disciples. He says, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. And today, folks, Jesus Christ looks out over our community, our neighborhoods, our families, and his heart is broken because he sees people who are confused, harassed, and helpless. They have no shepherd. And it breaks his heart. And you see him too. You see him too when you drop your kids off at school. You see him when you go to work. You see him when you talk to a neighbor or a friend. You see people who don't know Christ And their lives are confused and helpless and harassed. And Jesus is calling each of us, he is calling each of us to pray, to pray that God will raise up people who will reach them for the cause of Christ. To pray for people who will lead small groups. To pray for people who will step up and work in our children's ministry. To pray for people who will work in our youth group. To pray for people who will step up and help us as a church introduce people to Jesus Christ, their shepherd. Jesus is calling us to pray for this spiritual growth campaign because his heart is breaking for our families, for our friends, for our neighbors. And so he calls us to pray that God will raise up people to tell them that Christ wants to be their shepherd. They don't have to live like this. Would you pray with us in these coming weeks? Would you pray that God would raise up the workers, the leaders that we need? in order to accomplish what God wants to do in our midst through this campaign. Now notice that Jesus uses the word remain. He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you. Other versions say abide or dwell or live. If you live in me and my word lives in you. Because the key to effective prayer is it's got to become a lifestyle. It's not just something that's sporadic. Number four, look at this. If you want to talk to God, you've got to talk to God continually. 1 Thessalonians, be joyful always and pray continually. Give thanks to God in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, I've got to tell you, it's hard for me to pray in long segments. I mean, if I, I try to do that, I lose my focus. I, I'll forget what I'm praying about. I get bored I get distracted. It becomes unproductive for me to pray for a long period of time. It just does. And some of you, you may get up in the morning, you may pray for an hour or two hours, and God bless you if you can do that. But if I try to do that, I get distracted or I fall back to sleep. And I'm not good at long prayer sessions. But what I've learned to do is to pray often throughout the day. And the very first thought when I wake up in the morning, before my feet hit the carpet, I say, God, thank you for a night's sleep. Thank you that your mercies are new this morning. God, I just pray that today this life will be used to accomplish your purposes. It's not about me. It's all for you. God, here we go. And I just start the day with that prayer. And then throughout the day, I just pray and pray and pray. There's a British evangelist from years ago. His name was Smith Wigglesworth. I mean, man, don't you love that name? Smith Wigglesworth, he said this. He said, I never pray for more than 20 minutes at a time, but I also never go more than 20 minutes without praying. See what's happening there? It's not praying for a long time, but it's praying a lot over a long time. You know, you don't pray for long periods, you just pray all the time. 
And so for me, you know, I'm driving, I'm pulling on the parking lot here, and I'm just praying, God, thank you so much for this church. Help me to lead it effectively. I thank you for this. I commit my life. I commit this church. I commit the families here to your purposes. And I park and come in. I see church staff. I see people involved in ministry, the cleaning crew, setup crew, whatever people got going on around here. And I start praying for them. I say, God, thank you for that person. Thank you what they've done in their life. I pray for their marriage. I pray for their kids. You know, I hear about somebody who's got a family member who's sick. And I just, you know, right then, I just, God, just please step in. You're the great physician. Just do a work in their life. I go out for lunch. I see somebody, and, you know, and I know their situation. I'm just praying for them. God, just intervene, heal their marriage, you know, help them find that job. I get a phone call. You know, before I answer the phone, I'm like, God, give me the wisdom. God, help me not to say anything stupid. God, help me not to say anything stupid. I pray that one a lot. <laughs> pray that, one. that one doesn't always get answered, but I pray that one a lot. You know, I have to make a decision. And, and in my head, in my heart, I'm just, God, I need your divine direction. Help me to, to make the right decision here. I mean, it doesn't have to just be at an assigned time. It doesn't have to just be in the morning or just over a meal. It's an ongoing awareness of the presence of God and an ongoing conversation. And you see, what happens is, is all of a sudden, now I'm taking all the distractions of life and I'm turning those into a benefit because I'm just praying about all of them. The other thing I've learned is that when I'm praying, I need to push. P-U-S-H. Push. Pray until something happens. You know, it's not that you pray for a long time for something, but you pray over a long time. In Luke 18, Jesus tells the story of a widow. She can't get justice from an unrighteous judge. And so she pesters the judge. She hounds this judge morning, noon, and nighty, night, night. I mean, this lady is just on this guy until he decides the case in her favor. She pesters him until he acts in her behalf. And Jesus says, if an unrighteous judge will respond to that, imagine how much more a righteous God will respond when you persist in prayer. The key is to persist. You pray continually over a long time. You pray until something happens. First Samuel, Hannah was praying that God send me a son. God send me a son. Send me a son. It says, as she kept on praying to the Lord. You need to let that phrase capture your heart. Kept on praying to the Lord. Because too often we pray for a while and then we just give up. But we need to pray until something happens. Back in 1994, before Rockbrook, I tried to plant a church in Omaha. My family and I, a little startup crew, uh, we worked for two years to start a church there. And it just never took. We just couldn't get it to work, and we finally had to close it down. And we wound up moving back here, and then we started Rockbrook. But I didn't like how that church plant ended there. Uh, There were financial issues that didn't get resolved in a God-honoring way. And so for the next 16 years... I prayed that God would resolve those issues. You know, I just prayed that as that failed little church that we would be able to pay off those debts, that we'd be able to make some things right with people, that we would be able to finish well with that church. And it would have been easy just to wipe my hands of the whole affair and walk away. I mean, that's what everybody else did. I mean, we shut it down. They were gone. And that's what people advise me to do. Eh, you gave it a good shot, it didn't work, wash your hands of it, move on, do something next. But, you know, Proverbs says that a righteous man pays his debts even if it breaks him. And so for the next 16 years, I personally paid on the debt that that church had incurred. 
It was significant. And for 16 years, I was paying and I was praying that God would help us finish well. Everybody else had moved on. I just kept on praying. God, help us settle this debt in an honorable way. And 16 years later, God did a work that resolved that issue in such a way that it demonstrated that God had been working on that all along. I mean, the whole time I had been praying, God was working. I just couldn't see it. And it happened in such a way that I saw that if I had given up, if I had just lost interest in that at any moment, nothing would have been resolved. I mean, it was just amazing. If I gave up on it, God would have given up on it too. Well, Kelly's lost interest. We'll settle this at the judgment seat of Christ. Because, folks, this stuff doesn't just go away. It gets resolved. The question is, is it going to get resolved in this life or is it going to get resolved at the judgment seat of Christ? And believe me, you want to get it resolved here, not there. And so I just kept praying, praying to the Lord. And 16 years later, God moved in a big way that glorified and honored him. Wasn't the way I would have done it. Wasn't the way I'd been praying for it. He did it in a way that glorified and honored him. Where do you need to push in prayer? Where do you need to pray until something happens? Because the problem is we lose interest. We quit too soon. We quit on people. We quit on God. We quit on marriages. We quit on kids. We quit on dreams and diets and debt. We quit when we need to push. Pray until something happens. And so we need to pray continually, and we pray over the long haul. And number five, we need to listen for his response. We talk to God and we listen for his response. I mean, think of any relationship with only one-sided communication. In any one-sided relationship. You know, think of a marriage. Imagine if all I ever did was just bark instructions at my wife. You know, just do this, do that, make my breakfast, bring this by the office, pick up the mail, sort those socks. Hey, give me a little smoochy smooch. You know, I mean, you go smooch yourself. <laughs> Why? Because there's no two-way communication. And if there's no two-way communication, there can't be a deep relationship. Why would it be any different with God? You know, God not only wants to hear us, God wants us to hear Him. He wants us to tell Him what's important to us. And He wants us to listen to what's important to Him. Now, God can speak to you in all sorts of different ways. He can talk to you through a gentle whisper. We did a whole series on that a while back. God can speak to you as you read his word. God can speak to you through other people. God can speak to you through circumstances. But one of the main ways that God speaks to you is through prayer. You talk to God, and then you listen. You listen. It's a two-way communication. Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Two-way street here. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, they follow me. It's a dynamic, back-and-forth, interactive relationship. It's not just bleeding out prayers like noisy sheep. Feed me, feed me. No. I'm listening for the shepherd's voice so I can follow where he leads. I stay in the relationship. I stay in the conversation. I pray until something happens. 
Those of you who said that my prayer life could use some improvement. You know, if that's you, let's just confirm that again. If that's you, would you just put your hand up? Just put your hand up. I'm going to ask you to hold your hand up as I pray for you. Now, I'm going to pray for a little bit, and if your arm gets tired, it's okay to put it down. But you keep it up right now as we start praying. Okay, let's pray together. God, I, I just pray for these folks. I pray that throughout this day, throughout the coming days, throughout this campaign, God, that you would move into our lives, that we would open up, that we would draw close to you, and that we would talk to you, that we would communicate with you. God, I just pray that the frequency of our interaction with you would grow, that, that we would learn to hear your voice. God, we'd be aware of your presence, that, that our conversation with you would, would just be continual. And maybe you're here today and you say, you know, I don't know if I'd recognize Jesus' voice. Because maybe he's, you've never asked him to be your shepherd. Maybe you've never opened up your life and said, God, I, I, I want you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Make me a new creation. I want to be born again. God, I want the old to go. I want the new to come. I want my life to be transformed. And so right now, just say, God, please come into my life. Make me a new creation. Draw me close to you. Help me to recognize your voice. God, help me to communicate with you, to share my hurts and dreams and desires. God, help me to know what it is that breaks your heart so that I can do it, so that I can make a difference in my life and in the lives of others. God, we desire to draw close to you because you are worthy. You're everything we need. You're the one we need to shift our focus to. Jesus Christ is the one that we need to become like. So God, change us, transform our lives, make us more like Christ. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen.